0: You're listening to the Boise Community Church Podcast. We desire to be a people who are following Jesus authentically and missionally. For more information, please visit boisecommunitychurch.org. I hope you're in Mark 2. Turn to Mark 2 if you're not there yet. It's in the middle of your Bible. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. If you're in a name that you can't pronounce, you're probably not far enough. So. Let's uh, let's dive in this morning. I'm excited to to teach, to share with you guys from this morning. So Mark chapter 2. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And some people came and asked Jesus, Jesus. How is it that John's disciples And the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting But yours are not Jesus answered How can the guests of the bridegroom Fast while he is with them He cannot Or sorry they cannot So long as they have him with them But the time will come When the bridegroom will be taken from them And on that day they will fast No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment Otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old Making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. Though they pour new wine into new wineskins. One Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him. Look. Why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered. Have you not read. What David did when he and his companions Were hungry and in need an In the days of Abathar The high priest He entered the house of God And ate the consecrated bread Which is lawful only for the priesthood And he also gave some to his, his companions Verse 27 Then he said to them The Sabbath was made for man Not man for the Sabbath So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath so, Lord, we, do, we come to you and we ask that you would speak to us as your church, that we would be ready to hear from you and to, to learn from you, to become more like you. We come today to you in faith, whether we knew it or not, that today is a holy day, a day where we gather in your name to be together as your people, to hear you speak to us, not just individually, but collectively. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak and that our hearts would be listening. And that we would be ready to receive from you this morning In Jesus' name, amen and So in Jesus' day it was, a com- it was a common practice for teachers and rabbis They would have certain styles of fasting and, and having these different And praying and studying the scriptures They had these methods And these certain styles to their spiritual practices and what we get a glimpse of here is that exactly that going on in this community. It is the religious community is questioning Jesus on why his followers don't look like theirs. They're saying, hey, you and your followers are operating in a completely different way that we've seen or heard and we don't understand. Why don't they fast? Why why are they, you okay with them breaking the Sabbath? And I remember when I was younger. It's funny because I don't ever hear this language anymore And maybe it's I don't know why it is Maybe it's just not something people say anymore But when I was younger I remember you would always hear about people When they would claim a faith Whether it was them being a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim Or some other faith There was always this follow-up question Well, are they practicing? It's like, well, if they're not practicing They don't count like, That was kind of, always the, kind of the way it would come out would hear, I would hear it a lot in my own family Because a lot of my family is Catholic So they'd be like, oh, they're Catholic Why are they a practicing Catholic? No, they're just a sleeping Catholic um, So it was just always this really interesting idea And I used to always think that's a really strange question And a really strange way to phrase it Because you either are or you're not, right? And so I asked, I Got this idea where I was like I'm going to look at what the word practice actually means Because how do you practice faith? According to merriam Webster's dictionary The word practice actually means To carry out, apply Or to do or perform Often, customarily or habitually And so there's This intentionality That comes with this idea of practice This intentionality For a purpose And my The title I wrote for my message was this idea of there's purpose in the practice. Because you practice to become better at something, whether it's sports, music, art, or academics, your job, whatever you're doing, you're growing and practicing in that skill. You know, everybody knows Malcolm Gladwell's famous quote where it's to be an expert at anything, you know, anything that's kind of difficult it's going to take you 10,000 10, hours. Midnight school it's only 10 hours. 10,000 hours, which if you're doing it every day, calculates to about 10 years. And it is really interesting. I've been pastoring for 10 years. I've preached a lot of sermons. And there was a point where you start to find your voice. And it is probably around the 10-year mark where you start to be like, okay, this is kind of who I am. This is kind of where, this is what draws out of me just naturally. But so these, these idea of practices and so if we look at Jesus's day, the practices that they had they were prayer, there was prayer, fasting, Sabbath, tithing, they had feasts. they would have these big collective feasts that would last weeks and they were, there were these big massive things in their faith. They had temple worship, they had serving the poor and the needy. these were their spiritual practices. For us today, here in the West, we generally see spiritual practices as, it's a much smaller list. And even some of these, I, would, I probably would, I'm sure some of you would argue with me, on being like, that's not really a spiritual practice, but that's fine. But I put prayer, reading the Bible, singing in church, tithing, living in community, or being part of a small group. You know, the practices aren't an end of themselves, though. And that's something we need to think about. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we live the way that we live? Why do you read your Bible? Because for thousands of years, the scriptures were not easily attainable. You know, if we were back before the printing press, you would come here and you I would be the only person that could bring you the scriptures because they were handwritten. Why do we sing in church? Why do we tithe? Why do we try to live in community? Like they all seem like good things, but why do we do these things? And the practices, they aren't, like I said, they aren't an end of themselves though. When I was in high school, I was a football player, and I really wanted to play football my whole life, and it wasn't until I got to high school that I got the green light that I could go out and like hit people and win this game. So I show up and I don't know the game at all. I'm, they asked me what I wanted to play, and I was like, I have no idea. I I just know, a quarterback throws the ball, I can't do that. So, But by my senior year, I was a pretty good football player. I understood the game inside and out. And a lot of it had to do with the way that I practiced. I would run, I would lift weights, I'd watch film, I'd run drills, not for the sake of being good at any of those things in particular. Like When I would run back then, I hated running. I would never run for pleasure like I want to get this over with as fast as humanly possible I didn't want to be a good runner I didn't want to be a great weightlifter I didn't want to be an expert at watching film I wanted to be the guy that could run across the field and just smash somebody with the ball, that was my goal to be a really good football player, to be able to perform at the highest level I could both physically and mentally and what I want to point out to you is these spiritual practices have a purpose. And the purpose is this. Like I, I was there was a I was at a conference this past summer, and this guy gets up and he's talking and he said, You know what I tell my church all the time? He's like, I hear all these churches say I don't have we don't have any like plans for your life or anything like that. And he's like, I tell them straight up, like, I have a beautiful plan for your life, and I have an intentional plan for your life. And that's really what the practices are for. They're to shape us to become more and more into the image of Jesus. The disciples of John, which is John the Baptist, his disciples, and the Pharisees, they had lost sight of this. They had made the practices the end game. They had lost sight of what was really important. Their activity had become their highest aim. And I think it's easy for us to be in that same boat And to be in that same place And Jesus is graciously and patiently Bringing them back to the heart of these spiritual practices Because they have become more about following the rules Or getting it right Than doing the right thing and having a relationship With Jesus The main message that we see Jesus preaching in these two sections when About fasting and about Sabbath Is that God is doing a new thing And that God is greater than the Sabbath Because when it came to fasting The question asked was We all have these regular rhythms of fasting But your disciples don't And in their day It was actually a common practice to fast twice a week It was, it was a rarity if you were a religious person To not fast that often and everyone would be around Everyone around you would be very aware That you weren't fasting It was like very very public. You would kind of look mopey You wouldn't do your hair put oil in your beard You'd just kind of do your thing and look sad And be like oh what's going on with you You look really sad It's my fasting day It's Tuesday you know, Or it's my fasting day It's Thursday It's the worst day ever
1: You know, they would make a very
0: public show of their spirituality by making it incredibly obvious that they were fasting. When really, the heart of fasting is about this connection and this relationship and this, in your hunger, having this desire for God, this desire for Him to speak, to move, to touch your heart and your life. Jesus corrects this type of fasting. You know, Which was common in their day In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6 He says When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do For they disfigure their faces Which is a pretty strong thing to say To show others they are fasting Truly I tell you They have received their reward in full But when you fast Put oil on your head and wash your face So that it will not be obvious to others That you are fasting But only to your Father who is unseen And your Father who Sees what is done in secret Will will reward you Everyone was trying to put God Into this box When they're they're coming to Jesus They're saying How do you want us to fast What should it look like Should it look like the Pharisees Should it look like the Sadducees Should it look like the Essenes That have run off into the mountains Because they don't want to be a part of the culture at all What should we look like And then Jesus says this beautiful thing where he challenges these people where he, with this talk about a new fabric being sewn onto an old, and new wine and old wineskins. And what I want to make, I don't want to spend a ton of time diving into that, but because obviously we don't live in a world where we are, a lot of us, unless you're a sewer and you actually repair your clothes if you tear them, which if you do, kudos, because you're helping not flood the world with trash, like me. And none of us use wineskins, we have wine bottles now, so we don't have to worry about that. But what would happen, he makes it very plain, he says if you take a new or a new piece of fabric and you sew it onto an old used piece of fabric, if you don't wash that fabric first, if you don't prepare it, it will shrink and it will slowly tear away, and you'll have a worse tear, you'll ruin the garment. Very common. Like that's one that we can understand. The wineskins is an interesting one because they would have these leather skins that they would pour wine into. And it would be a way that they would carry their wine around. And unlike, you know, us, they would probably, they would drink it with a lot more moderation than we did. Their wine was also a lot uh, lot lower in alcohol percentage than it is in our day. But the thing is when you have new wine, so when you freshly made wine, you have to give it a place for it to expand. So if you pour it into an old wineskin That's already been pushed to its limits What's going to happen is It's going to break at the seams And it's going to spill all over the ground And you're going to waste all the wine What Jesus is saying here What he's making the point of Is he's saying It doesn't fit With the experience that they've lived with and, And known up to this point His way of doing things is outside of their knowledge and their experience. He's saying, I'm doing a new thing. Because God hadn't just sent a new teacher, a new rabbi, or a judge, or a prophet, or a king, like in the past. He came himself. It wasn't just this picture anymore. Someone's just correcting their style Of what they're doing He's saying everything's about to change Similar to how Jesus dealt with the woman On the, at the well Where she's saying which mountain should we worship Should we go over here or Should the Jews say go here We want to go over here What do you say He's like it doesn't matter man The day is coming where God will search for those That will worship in spirit and in truth what he's saying there is he's saying, I'm looking for authentic authenticity in worship. It isn't about knowing the right things or following the right practices. It is about fasting the right way. Then the Pharisees come and they challenge Jesus and his disciples as they're walking through this field on the Sabbath and they're picking grain and they're eating it as they're walking it. During the Sabbath, you're not allowed to do anything. Like a Sabbath day's journey is like maybe at the end of your block. Like you can't really walk anywhere. And you would be breaking the Sabbath if you did all these things, if you're working too hard during dinner, if you're... And it was a big deal. Like people would lose their minds if you were breaking the Sabbath. So Jesus and his disciples are walking through this field. They're hungry. They see grain. It's perfectly legal in that day to grab grain and eat it for It was their way of gleaning the fields It was a big, big deal So my introduction into Christianity Was when I was in 6th grade I got to spend the summer living with my aunt Who now lives in Idaho Actually she lives in Idaho Falls But at the time she lived in Alaska And she's part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church Who's most known for having church on Saturdays They're those guys uh, so they're known for that, and they're also known for keeping the Sabbath. They're one of the only churches that still to this day really tries to honor the Sabbath. And I remember there was a time I got in trouble for walking into town for two miles to go have ice cream with this girl. It wasn't the fact that I went with the girl. It was the fact that I walked too far. And it was like, hey, this isn't what we do on the Sabbath. The Sabbath we sit and read. TV. It was pretty rough Because I wasn't a Christian I was like, this is awful I don't ever want to do this again Uh, I think I only had like maybe six of them And I was like, this is enough (laughs) You know, we laugh And we think it's silly to have this idea But I do believe observing the Sabbath Is an interesting spiritual practice Because it is the one Severely neglected In our current culture Obviously, I care about the Sabbath because our MCs are practicing growing and doing the Sabbath. But what is the heart of Sabbath? What is the point of it? And that's what Jesus is ultimately trying to bring the Pharisees back to. He's not trying to just say, hey, quit being dumb. I'm going to teach you the right way. He's trying to bring them back to the heart of what it's really about. Because Sabbath is actually a gift for you and I. It's our choice if we want to walk in it or not. It's like somebody walking alongside you saying, hey, I'd love to take you out to dinner. And you're like, I don't know, I don't know. No, I'm not going to go. You're like, okay, it's fine. You're not getting free dinner. That's kind of the way it works. In our day that we live, there's this constant pressure, though, to achieve. And we live with this pressure constantly in our minds and in our hearts, and we hear it over and over again. And it is ingrained in our culture In such a powerful way Because it's this whole idea If I stop, I'm going to miss out If I rest, it's all going to fall apart Or I'm going to fail If I slow down, it all comes apart at the seams You can apply that to your career You can apply that to your education Your marriage, your parenting Your whatever it is St. Augustine, which if you're going to read somebody Augustine is amazing he says it this way, it's a pretty hefty quote, but he says, The Sabbath commandment enjoins a quietness of heart, tranquility of mind. This is holiness. Because here is the Spirit of God. This is what a true holiday or vacation you know, means. Quietness and rest. Unquiet people recoil from the Holy Spirit. They love quarreling. They love argument in their restlessness. They do not allow the silence of the Lord's Sabbath to enter their lives. Against such restlessness, restlessness, we are offered a kind of Sabbath in the heart. As if God were saying, stop being so restless. Quiet the uproar in your mind. Let go of the idle fantasies that fly around in your head. God is saying, be still and know that I am. But you refuse to be still. You are like the Egyptians, tormented by gnats. Those tiniest of flies, always restless, flying around aimlessly, swarm at your eyes, giving no rest. They are back as soon as you drive them off. Just like the futile fantasies that swarm in our own minds. Keep the commander. Beware of this play. Like I said, our MC is in this purpose of, in this trying to implement this practice into their lives. They're talking about this and there' so there's members in our, this room that are trying to implement this idea of Sabbath. And there's a million and I loved it last week we talked about what keeps us from Sabbath. If you look around the room there's a lot of us that have a lot of young kids I have four. If you want to see something that like really keeps you from rest, it is having four young kids. They definitely keep you from, from sleep and rest and you know, all the things that you want. Uh, so there, there's this idea where I have to change my mindset. What does Sabbath look like for me? What looks like me laying on the floor and playing with my kids? Snuggling up and watching a movie with them. Reading a Sabbath reading that I find online. And having a nice meal together. But here's the thing I want us to be aware of. The whole point of this pursuit, whether you're an NMC or not, it should not be I am a pro at keeping the Sabbath. I am failing it. I am so good at reading my Bible. I read through my Bible and read That's amazing. And if you do, I am amazed by That's awesome But the the practice isn't Because you're trying to do that We don't work, we don't watch TV We sit in silence and read If that's your goal, you've missed the point I used to always read this section that we're talking about, where Jesus is talking with the Pharisees, and I would always get caught up when he starts talking about David and this random story, and I'd be like, on earth is he really, like, I'm kind of confused. What is the point he's making? But it's very clear, the Sabbath wasn't, wasn't created for man, or sorry, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And even more than that, Jesus is saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the reason there is a Sabbath. Our purpose in the practice is most of all to be with Jesus and to become like Jesus. Jesus doesn't come and throw away these practices, but he calls us back to the heart of them. Jesus doesn't come in and say, hey, I'm doing a new thing, get rid of fasting. Hey, I'm doing a new thing. Get rid of Sabbath. Hey, I'm doing a new thing. Get rid of Bible reading and and prayer and tithing and all these different things. Jesus doesn't come in and start trashing the the system. He's saying, come back to the heart of it. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is driving your heart in your spiritual practice? Or do you have spiritual practices in your life? Because I don't try to follow a Bible reading plan For the purpose of saying Hey I did it But it's to motivate me To continue on to read books That I'm probably not naturally going to spend My devotional time reading To see who God is in his word And allow the word to speak Into my heart and life To give myself rhythms of prayer Where my prayer becomes much more A part of my daily life Rather than just hey, this is the thing I do before meals or this is the thing I do before I go to sleep because I feel bad because I didn't pray at all today. All of these things are for the purpose of being with Jesus and becoming more like Him. So again, where are you in your spiritual practice? Do you have spiritual practices? And lastly, are they leading you to Jesus? Because church we can read the Bible We can fast, we can pray We can give hundreds of thousands Of dollars away We can serve the community But if we miss Jesus We miss everything Jesus invites us to be his followers And the practices were given As a gift to us Not as a weight to crush us, but as a gift to shape us. And so I do, I want to ask you, out of the practices that you know of, is there something that the Holy Spirit is stirring in you? Saying, I need to step into this. Is it prayer? Is it fasting? Is it Sabbath? Is it tithing? Is it living in communion? Is it reading your Bible? Because the beauty of these things is you will experience life in them. Some of you know that last year, one of my big goals, one of the things I felt stirred to do, and it was quite around this time last year, I felt really stirred to, to develop a regular fasting rhythm into my life. And I did for... A pretty good chunk of the year. Because it was a practice I didn't understand. And I just wanted to connect with God in a deeper way. So I want to invite you into that. If there's something stirring in you, to bring those things to the Lord, to bring those things to your spouse. Whenever I'm having a hard time One of the first things I do is I usually call someone Because I I know that when I call someone And I just speak the words It creates accountability for me And so May we not lose sight And become like the Pharisees Or like the lost disciples of John Chasing and trying to fit God Into what feels like it fits in our world may we allow God to come into every aspect of our lives the ways that we parent the ways that we love our spouse the ways that we work our jobs the ways that we the places that we put our money the places that we spend our time the people that we spend our time with may we be a people that are shaped into the image of Jesus because that is the plan that is the beautiful, wonderful plan That I have for each of you Is that you will look more and more like Jesus The longer you're here So with that Let's take a moment and let's pray Father we, we, we're we here And we just ask that you would Have your way in the hearts and minds of your people Lord if there's things that are being stirred If there's practices that people feel inclined to to lean into, Lord. I pray that you would give them the faith and the courage to bring those things out, to share that with someone so that they can either get help in stepping into it, Lord, or if have accountability around it. Jesus, I thank you that you are doing such good and beautiful things. And Lord, I'm impressed by so many in our church, Lord, how so many of the people in this room, they give and they tithe and they serve and they give of themselves, Lord. It truly is such a beautiful thing that I'm so thankful for. And so, Lord, I do. I pray that we would not do these things out of just mere obligation or out of muscle memory, Lord, but that we would do them from the place of faith and submission to You, because You're worth it and because You deserve it. And so, Jesus, we do. We give our hearts to You this morning. We ask that You would shape us more and more into your image, whether that's through Bible reading or fasting or praying or practicing the Sabbath. I pray that it would be a, a thing of joy for each of us rather than a thing of heaviness or weight. And so, Lord, we just give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Boise Community Church. To find more resources and information about Boise Community Church or to give to the mission of Boise Community Church, please visit us online at boisecommunitychurch.org. If you were encouraged by today's podcast, please rate and review it so more people can discover the hope and joy of Jesus' love.